Hi, I'm Jacob Luce, and this is SOAS World Radio Day. I'm here with the research and project manager of Positive Negatives. So my first question for you would be, when did Positive Negatives start, and what ideas did you start with about your work and the use of multimedia? And could you first introduce yourself? That'd be brilliant. Hi, yes, I'm Sarah Wong. I'm a research and project manager at Positive Negatives, um, which is a not-for-profit based out of SOAS up in the Faber Building in T.S. Eliot's old study. We create uh, multimedia outputs out of research having to do with issues ranging um, from migration to conflict, uh, drugs, trafficking, um, with the aim of using the creative arts uh, to humanize and engage uh, people in social issues. And then how do you see the multimedia's role within all of that? The arts kind of um, aspect of our work is uh, quite central to what we do. So we started in 2012. Um, our founder and executive director, uh, Benjamin Dix, who is a research fellow here at SOAS in the development department, um, was based in Sri Lanka during their civil war. Um, so he was a communications liaison between the Tamil Tigers and the um, Sri Lankan army and so was very much a part of the kind of conflict there in a humanitarian sense. Um, and after essentially evacuating Sri Lanka when the war escalated to a point where the UN was no longer um, within their own kind of framework, they couldn't be there anymore. So they had evacuated and he left with a whole set of kind of stories and contacts and photos and really wanted to tell the human story of this conflict as it wasn't being covered in the news, it wasn't necessarily... So how do you tell that human story? Though? So he started working with a London-based illustrator, um, working with the photos that he had taken and the testimony, the various testimonies that he had taken over the years um, with his uh, with his colleagues, with his friends, um, neighbors um, in Sri Lanka. And so they started to illustrate the story of of the war essentially right. and the nuanced and the human aspects of it that aren't necessarily caught in news stories or academic research papers or reports so they I was just wondering is this one of the first times people have decided to, to, to do this in this way or was he was he kind of in, being inspired by anyone in, in, in the way he did this so yeah so he was definitely inspired by um, Art Spiegelman's Mouse which is a graphic novel about um, the Holocaust so while he was in Sri Lanka in the kind of bunker he discovered mouse and was reading through that and that was kind of the impetus for using this medium in a contemporary conflict setting so yeah started to work with an artist more to depict the lives especially the civilian lives yeah. within conflict spaces and you know they started to find that people really resonated with the multimedia aspect and with the usage of the arts in this way because people were able to connect on a very human level to the lives that people were actually living rather than kind of seeing them as a you know either just a statistic or um, a kind of flat story that there's not depth to. Can I ask you is this why also you wanted to get involved in this in the first place or how what was your process of, of had getting to this point of being the research and project manager at Positive Negatives? Yeah, so it was quite intentional, actually. So I studied at SOAS as well. I did my master's here in development studies. As I was kind of looking into programs that I wanted to pursue for my master's, I had found the SOAS development, MSc, and I was, you know, kind of deciding between a few different programs and a few different universities. Kind of by chance, I came through SOAS, what is now like, what, maybe three years ago, right. and picked up just a, I think it's called the SOAS World um, 
magazine for friends and alumni, and Positive Negatives had a spread in it on the back page. And it was um, detailing one of the new projects um, that had come up at the time and is now um, a few years past about the Somali diaspora within Europe. Mm. And I knew that I wanted to devote my studies and you know my future work to the links and kind of cross between art and development. And so it just felt like it was the perfect opportunity to start working for positive negatives and while doing my masters and so it all just kind of coalesced so I started working for positive negatives as I was studying here um, and it's kind of grown in projects it's grown in geographies and um, topics and it's been it's been really great to kind of be a part of that and see that growth that's happened quite organically so before we get into more about positive negatives would you advise maybe any SOA students listening that this would be a, a good avenue to go down if they if they wanted to get involved with with this stuff are there internships available at positive negatives can people get involved I'm not sure exactly about how we're thinking about you know structuring sure. kind of a more rigid internship recruitment process but definitely I would say in a broader sense get involved <laughs> whether it's at in something that you find that is quite like a it seems out of reach or it seems yeah. too niche or something um, that feels a bit exploratory or whatever I think that's definitely been something that I've learned from this process is I mean I basically just hounded them until they until <laughs> they gave me um, you know uh, something to work on and I, I think being persistent and being passionate and having having your area of focus and just hmm. kind of running at that full force it it has definitely you know paid off and also I, I do think that so as as an institution yeah. is you know it gives space for these kind of these kind of projects initiatives and organizations to crop up because they are you know they're grounded in this sense of wanting to be a part of these like really critical conversations and willing to do unusual partnerships with different organizations exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah i think so as is like very well placed to let these kind of things grow for sure brilliant so let's talk about how positive negatives relates to this world radio day happening at the moment and we're really interested in multimedia features and what your actual production process looks mm -hmm. like here at the radio we have our own production process Process, but what does it look like at positive negatives right I would say first and foremost that while we do we do have you know kind of a skeleton of what our production process is right. each project does end up being a little bit different in terms of the methods that we use and the approaches that we use based on the needs of the project itself based on how like our partners are structured and what right. they want out of the project it, it varies a bit so when you say partners do you mean yeah. the, the, the the people or the or clients or a mixture of both Everything, yep. So in terms of kind of partnerships and participants, our production process is collaborative kind of across the board. So that's probably a good place to start in terms okay. of talking about what that looks like. So we have partners, which are generally institutions, academic institutions. Like so as. Like so as, exactly. Um, we have partners that are charities. We have partners that are um, other not-for-profits. So do charities come to you when they want this kind of multimedia side of things? Or is that is that what you can bring to a charity? Yep, exactly. Okay. So the institutions, like I said, that I just described come to us with a story that they want to amplify to the world or a certain theme that they feel 
needs to be kind of um, stretched beyond their current media or format that they usually use. Often, you know, they'll have either, whether it's a charity or a not-for-profit or um, an academic, they will already kind of have access and relationships with participants themselves, which are the, the terminology that we use um, for people whose stories we're telling. In terms of these tackling these difficult issues that you wouldn't normally see in cartoons, I've currently been involved with some modern slavery campaign stuff, and we've also been t grappling with this issue of like people not wanting to think about these difficult issues, and I was wondering how you kind of grapple with that as an organization in terms of taking these big issues that people maybe don't want to think about or make their lives more uncomfortable or difficult or how do you kind of start to make those into a cartoon form or, or, or multimedia form? It's a good Sorry, question. It's a big, big question. No, no, no. It's a, it's a it's a really good question and it's it's kind of the you know the crux of the um, challenges that we face I think as an organization is how yeah exactly that how do we tell these difficult stories that often involve degrees of trauma and and just challenging subject matter in general I would say in terms of making sure that from from a participant kind of centered yep. perspective um, in terms of making sure that the story that we're telling is being told in a way that is like you know true to that person and reflective of their life we use kind of like what we call a participant-led methodology which basically okay. just means you know rounds and rounds of feedback and collaboration of um, the script the ideas the tone the storyboard itself which is like you know the rough sketches um, so from from that perspective I'd say that's how we that's how we approach telling the stories is just making sure that the participants and the people whose stories that we are telling do have um, can you know as much control as they can have um, over it so I mean just coming back to so I've been working on this modern slavery thing um, there's this issue of with victims not wanting to sort of um, have have victims be be used for for sort of you know to, to tell their stories in a, in a negative way, but to allow them to tell their stories in the way that they want to tell them, and not not make them sort of professional victims, but you know give them space to tell their stories if they want to tell their stories. So is is that kind of what you're working on as well, or, or is it about not victimizing people, or is that the white ray of describing it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think not making people victims if they don't want to be victims. Or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we will will always put it in our participants, I mean, well, first of all, I should say we're never going to force someone to tell, right. um, to kind of tell their story if they don't want to um, go public or use, you know, platforms for that, but that victimization mm. aspect is, it, it is an important part of consider consideration within our work, and yeah, like I said, how we try to combat that is by allowing them to tell their own story in the way that they want, but also being really grounded in kind of ethnographic and anthropological works such that when you do see a full narrative of someone's life, that it isn't just the the traumatic or the horrible parts of it or the difficult or challenging or whatever, but that it's the small inter interactions that people have on a daily basis, like what someone had for breakfast, or, you know what I mean? Like those kind of details coming out into the stories just to make sure that, you know, as much as possible, our participants aren't painted as victims, but they're painted as people that have 
at times gone through really challenging um, and harrowing aspects of life, but they've come through it and they've used their agency to act in a certain way and they're complex and they're nuanced and um, they're not just the issue that's being talked about, but they're like a whole person. So when you talk about that anthropological understanding, it seems like you're really applying, you know, learning that you might have got it so as perhaps? Absolutely. I think a lot of the theoretical reading that I was doing and a lot of the discussions that I had within my development studies um, masters was a really, I mean, at times a really challenging but a really interesting mm. complement to, you know, the actual work that I was doing. To be able to see it in practice and like be a part of those tensions and... Um, okay, so can I ask you about that? Is, has anything about the, the practice of actually doing this made you question anything you learned at SOAS or maybe question anything that you, happened in your studies? Is there any difference between the, sort of the, the practice of doing this anthropological work and the, and the theory of studying it? that would be interesting for SOAS students? That's a, that is a very good question. It's much more complicated in real life. And I think when you're working mm. and producing within these kind of, within these roles and within these sectors, okay. it's a very different understanding of the kind of theories that you learn about. Because like you said, it's just much more complicated. And I think, you know, theory and practice rightly do kind of rub up against each other and there are tensions between them. Is there an example of one of the stories you've worked on that would help to demonstrate that? One of the projects that I'm working on right now yep. is a project with um, Hogan Levels, which are an international law firm, and uh, Barefoot College, based in uh, Tolonia in Rajasthan. Okay. And so we are creating a set of comics-based uh, illustrations and animations that will be used as education tools, essentially, for the staff at Barefoot College to be able to run workshops on human rights. So how old are these kids that are going to be looking at this? So they're not they're not children, not they're children. mostly they're adults. Okay. Um, they're anywhere from they don't really have an age range in terms of the women that they um, kind of run these workshops okay. with, but they're mostly all women in rural Rajasthan. Generally beneficiaries that they work with are illiterate as well, so yep. can really use the visual storytelling aspect of our work to um, talk about stories related to human rights um, and because they're used you know in a supported workshop setting the barefoot staff will be able to kind of support those difficult conversations and offer um, you know signposting or continued support after um, but it, it, it's just an educational tool essentially and a hook to be able to open up conversations. Can, uh, can you describe one of these stories for our listeners in terms of the sort of visual storytelling without sure. words? I mean, it might be hard to describe <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll do my best. Yeah, um, yeah so the, well, I'll, just as an overview, the, the various resources are um, about various human rights. Yeah. So our first animation will just be kind of an overview of what human rights are, yeah. essentially how they've been kind of constructed, what are, what are the legal frameworks around it, um, national and international frameworks, that sort of thing. And then each subsequent resource will be about education, um, access to health care, yeah. um, 
freedom from violence and then equality and discrimination related to gender and caste. So we, me and another um, researcher went to Tolonia to research the, uh, to kind of get a, get sort of an initial understanding of the people that um, yep. whose stories were telling and will help um, will you know be a part of the production process as well um, and so we ran focus groups and interviews with about 50 women kind of collated that research and um, pulled out stories did you have to kind of build up a level of trust before people were willing to to tell their stories absolutely one kind of integral part of our approach at positive negatives and um, something that we're increasingly moving more towards is how can we draw on expertise and kind of like decentralize our model a little bit more so um, while I went to Tolonia and you know kind of facilitated some of the research process the person that really ran the focus groups was someone that we had brought on that had you know significant experience in this and spoke the language and was from India so I think that that kind of the trust yeah that gave a lot of the that aided in a lot of the trust building yeah. as part of the focus groups um, in a way that I, I wouldn't have been able to do for reasons of culture and language and everything else um, so yeah it's absolutely about building trust and I think that as we start to work on more of these projects that will start you know we're, we're already starting to work more with people from the context that themselves that can you know play a bigger part in the in the production process when you're when you're there are you, are you thinking how can I visualize this story into something that would make sense yeah definitely in terms of a specific story because we kind of went into the research process with an understanding that everything would be kept confidential um, I can't tell a specific story sure. so some of the stories within the resources will be pulled you know the they're pulled from people's experiences and combinations of, of people's experiences yeah, or, yeah. exactly and um, some of the women that are a part of the barefoot team yeah. um, you know are very much the kind of target audience of this as well they've grown up in rural Rajasthan and they've you know gotten a job at the local college but they very much have lived experience of all of these issues so they're a part of guiding what these resources look like as well so it is quite collaborative but yes I think definitely when we are collecting stories we we do have to think about like how how does this how can this story come to life and what could it look like so can I ask you related to this world radio day which is about tolerance, dialogue and peace and that, that, that's what it's all about promoting and maintaining. Have you found these these kinds of aims central to, to your work? What would you say is central to your work in your community or listeners it, about these themes of tolerance, dialogue and, and peace that this World Radio Day is meant to be about? Yeah, so I think you're exactly right that issues of kind of, of dialogue, of tolerance peace they're yeah they are central to a lot of the issues that big, big issues yeah, yeah exactly and they're they're central to a lot of the the stories that we tell and a lot of the contexts that we're working in so it's very much these kind of themes are you know they're at the core of our our mission and our kind of mandate of using the the creative arts to promote things like dialogue 
um, and to kind of try to build up more tolerance um, and we found that within visual storytelling within creative storytelling within um, you know animations and using audio as well that the arts and kind of production are well placed to do that because you can tell quite difficult and complex stories in ways that are still they're still approachable where do you think the the tolerance part of this comes in how do you understand that word tolerance in this context does, does tolerance help to facilitate peace as well as i guess would mm. be the question um, no absolutely I, I think how we understand tolerance is learning to accept differences as they are and having an understanding of where those differences come from which is kind of the you know more historical anthropological aspect of our work and so grounding those differences in an understanding that hopefully leads to tolerance and visual storytelling as a means of breaking down those kind of barriers that would have existed between people perhaps yeah especially when you talk about things like tolerance it's often between I guess groups that don't necessarily have a bridge of dialogue like they don't have a line of communication so when you put someone into someone's story in a way that you can't deny you can't deny their experience you can't deny their humanity you're you know you're more likely to be tolerant of what their what their beliefs are what their everyday is their decision making so if i ask a more critical question um, <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> do you, i mean do you think that this kind of visual storytelling can promote tolerance dialogue and peace or is that are those two lofty ambitions for something like this? Do you, I mean, do you feel like you can be a small part of that? What's realistic in this context? Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I see it as being a part of a larger movement of understanding. I think that we can be a part of some really exciting things that are happening, you know, across the arts, across academia, across the not-for-profit sector with this aim in mind but it takes multiple kind of mediums it takes multiple initiatives it's all it, you know I see us as part of more of a coalition of kind of organizations and initiatives that are trying to get at a place where dialogue is promoted and like prioritized within this kind of discourse I know for example that last year the World Radio Day was about sport and also development and peace type stuff okay so I mean interesting kind of linking those things together and I know I mean the UN particularly has has mm -hmm. tried to do that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think things like sport can play a role in, in linking into these kind of things? Mm -hmm. Or again, is that pushing it too far? I mean, no, I don't think that's pushing it too far at all. I think culture in general, with, you know, cultural organizations or cultural aspects of society all have a role to play within yeah. social change because they're all part of the framework of society. So, I think absolutely sports can play a really important role. And I'm sure that they have in terms of whether that's like a specific targeted initiative of someone using there's like loads of programs of people using for example like taekwondo in the refugee camps in um, Cox Bazaar or something like that that are quite targeted but also I think people can find community in sports and you know that's useful as well in terms of dialogue and tolerance I mean it only occurred to me because of the way you were talking about visual storytelling kind mm -hmm. of cutting across barriers and then people talk about sport also as a thing that can cut across barriers because it's something that's shared by lots of people like lots of people know how to play football whereas they might not be able to talk to each other because they speak different languages exactly. so I mean everyone can understand a visual story it, it, things that cut across mm -hmm. barriers yeah. are quite useful tools food <laughs> yeah food cut food food sports <laughs> art <laughs> yeah. okay, and can I ask you one final question who is the final input in bringing rooted perspectives into your features so by rooted perspectives do you mean like 
people with the kind of lived understanding. Yeah, I mean, how would you interpret that? That's, I mean, that's yeah, how yeah, I interpret okay. it. Cool. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of a difficult question because I don't know if there's ever one person that has final input into our, mm. into kind of our various um, input into our outputs. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think the, I, I guess I would say that it's collaborative, so everyone plays a role in terms right. of what perspective is kind of you know shown in our features but that the participants themselves and the people whose stories we're telling will always try to prioritize those over anything else well, and, and, and yeah that's great and sort of finally is there any kind of message that you'd want to send out to SOAS students in terms of the work that Positive Negative does and how it can relate to their studies if they're doing development? Yeah, I guess I would say in terms of bringing my own experiences within working at Positive Negatives and my studies at SOAS, I would just encourage people to think, not necessarily creatively in like a strict sense of the creative arts, but to think creatively about what they want to do with what they've learned within their kind of disciplines and sectors and to try to speak to people outside of your own bubble, whether that means your own friendship group or the people that are studying the same thing as you. Different political views. Different political views, exactly. So I think that would be kind of my biggest takeaway is to try to actually be kind of, you know, cross-disciplinary in that sense. Okay, well, we'd like to thank Sarah very much for joining us and thank you very much for listening. I've been Jacob and this is World Radio Day on SOAS Radio. Thank you. Cheers.